so very good to have everyone out this morning. We truly hope that you all had a blessed and happy Thanksgiving. Um, such a day. Even though they're man-made holidays, it's very good that we're able to come together to uh, be with family on those days. That uh, the, the nation as a whole offers up many times Thanksgiving to the Lord. Um, thankfully, God has said it that we offer Thanksgiving every day in prayer. And we truly always offer Thanksgiving on the Lord's Day. We are going to finish uh, this morning our lesson on the Sermon on the Mount. This will be part 17. Doing God's will is not optional. That's the, um, the title that I've put on this, this section in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Doing God's will is not optional. As Brother Frank had read for us this morning in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And so Jesus says, Not all will enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's a fact. He taught us that in our lesson last week when he said that there would be many that would go into the way of destruction. Acknowledgement of Him as your Lord and Savior, Lord, Lord, will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says you must do the will of the Father to receive that home in heaven. Point number one this morning is those that lay claim to performing miracles will be lost. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. <laughs> Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy names have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Context, the context here is miraculous powers. Remember Jesus said that God would give them the gift of the Holy Spirit from last week. Remember when he was given the good gifts. And then they were seeking the Holy Spirit when we went to, I believe it was Luke's account, and he said that he would give it to them also. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, uh, chapters 12, 13, and 14 in the book of Corinthians are dealing with spiritual gifts. In chapter 12, we will find out the nine uh, spiritual gifts. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, that's supernatural wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge, again, supernatural, by the same Spirit. To another, faith, supernatural faith, by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing, that would be supernatural healing, by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, these would be uh, supernatural miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. And to another, divers kind of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. And so these things were given by the Holy Spirit, and these were miraculous. Uh, even speaking of tongues, it would be uh, today, if I, I've never studied German, but if I could speak German, that would be miraculous. And so that would be nine spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit would give. And so when they received the Holy Gift, the Holy Spirit, that was the gift that they were promised. And then the Holy Spirit would give as he saw fit. 
in Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Well, what signs are, what miraculous signs are going to follow? In my name shall they what? Cast out devils. And they shall speak with new tongues. They shall touch up serpents, and if they drink anything, any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And so when they were out preaching the word of God, remember in Mark uh, 16, verses 15 and 16, he had just told them to go preach the word of God. And he's saying that while you're preaching this, you're going to confirm the word you're preaching with these signs following. Miraculous signs. And so believers in the first century would receive these spiritual gifts from the baptism of the Holy Spirit after obedience to the gospel of Christ. In Acts chapter 8, verse 12, when Philip's down in Samaria, and when they who, the Samaritans, believed, Philip preaching what? The things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Earlier we had read that he went to Samaria preaching Christ. And so we He's he's preaching King Jesus, he's preaching his kingdom, and he's preaching his authority. The name of Jesus Christ would be his law or his authority. They were baptized, both men and women. Did they have the Holy Spirit yet? In Acts chapter 8, verses 14 and 15, Now when the the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, received it, believed it, obeyed it, they sent unto them who? Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. And so here we can see that salvation and the Holy Ghost are separate. What baptism did they receive? In Acts chapter 8, verse 16, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What happened to the Samaritans when they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the same thing that happened on the day of Pentecost. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for what? The remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's separate. They had their sins forgiven. They were saved. Just as we read about the Ethiopian eunuch. We never read of him receiving any spiritual gifts, but he went on his way rejoicing. He was saved. That's really all that matters is salvation. Acts chapter 8, verse 17, then laid their hands on them. Who? Peter and John. Onto the Samaritans. And they received the Holy Ghost. Well, who are they? they? Acts chapter 8, verse 18, and when Simon saw through the laying on the apostle hands, The Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money. Let's go to Acts chapter 19, verse 1. This will will clear it up even better. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to where? Ephesus. And finding certain disciples. Notice it didn't say Christians. It didn't say disciples of Christ. It said certain disciples. In Acts chapter 19, verse 2, And he said unto them, this is Paul speaking, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? See, in the first century, that was a, a sign that they had obeyed the gospel of Christ because after obedience to the gospel, you were to receive the Holy Ghost. 
And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And so Paul knows there's a problem here. In Acts chapter 19, verse 3, And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. And so they were baptized with John's baptism. But what was John's baptism? In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, this is John the Baptist speaking, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John's baptism was water baptism for repentance. These certain disciples clearly were baptized in water, John's baptism. But so that surely their baptism will be okay with God. It'll be, it'll be recognized by God because John's baptism came from God. And so surely they won't have to be rebaptized. In Acts chapter 19, verses 4 and 5. Then said Paul, John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance. That just, that just validates what we read in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Saying on the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So that tells me that there's a baptism, that Jesus also has a water baptism. They had to be rebaptized because John's baptism was no longer valid. Remember, John the Baptist, he was beheaded before Jesus ever declared that he would build his own church. And at this point, they are now Christians, disciples of Christ. They are no longer certain disciples. They aren't disciples of John. They are disciples of Christ. In Acts chapter 19, verse 6, And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So we see that now they are baptized with the Holy Ghost. Who administers the baptism of the Holy Ghost? In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He, the Lord, Jesus Christ, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Who is the he? John chapter 1, verse 33. And I knew him not. This is again John the Baptist speaking. And I knew him not. But they were, they were cousins. How did he not know him? Well, he knew him as Jesus, but he didn't know him as the Christ. But he sent me to baptize with water. He that sent me to baptize with water. Well, that was God the Father. The same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him is the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And so John was told he, that it was a sign. When the, when the Spirit of God descends and remains on him, that would be the Messiah. And so when John proclaims, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. It was because he knew because of the baptism who Jesus Christ was. 
Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened upon him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Jesus would baptize believers in the Holy Ghost. John chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. He will send the Comforter. How? Through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why didn't Jesus baptize them with the Holy Ghost while he was on earth? John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. He said he had to leave in order for the Comforter to come. Christ's water baptism. Christ's Holy Spirit baptism. Can the lost receive the Holy Spirit baptism? John chapter 14, verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because, he, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelt with you and shall be in you. Jesus was, in a sense, the spirit of truth when he was on earth because that's all he spoke. He spoke what the Father told him. And then he said, when the spirit comes, he's not going to speak of himself, but he's going to speak of me. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 17, verse 14, Jesus says, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. And so the apostles that he has chosen, they were not of the world. They were not worldly. They were not sinful. They, they occasionally um, committed isolated acts of sin, but they weren't, they weren't sinlessly, flawlessly perfect, but they were chosen by the word of God called out of the world. It's the word of God that calls us out of the world. Obedience to the world save, uh, word saves us. Obedience to the word saves us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, when Paul's writing uh, to the brethren there in Corinth, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, wherein ye stand. And so when they received it, it was just like the Samaritans. They had received the word of God. They had believed it, obeyed it. They're standing in it, by which also you are saved, if, it's conditional. Didn't have to put my little note up here, I remember it was conditional. Uh, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. And so we are saved as long as we remain standing in the gospel of Christ. Are both baptisms being administered today? When the congregation was established in Ephesus, they were both in existence. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4, and, uh, it should say 4 through 6, um, when Paul's writing the letter to the Ephesians at a later time, he says there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And so several years later, Paul writes a letter to the brethren in Ephesus and says that only one baptism remains. The Holy Spirit baptism requires you to be saved to receive it. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, we're going to find out which baptism, even though we've already looked at it before, which baptism will save us. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. And so eight souls, Noah and his family, were saved by water. In verse 21, Peter says, The light figure, whereunto even baptism does not now also save us. Just as they were saved by water, guess what? Water now saves us. Water, baptism, doth also now save us. We don't get in the water, and that's he's going to he's going to point that out clearly. Not putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. We don't get in the water because our skin's dirty. We get in there because our soul's dirty. And why do we know that our sins are, are washed away? Because we have a good conscience towards God. Because we know that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And if God was able to raise him to the dead, he can raise us out of that baptism water with that old man of sin left in the water, and we come out pure and clean. We have faith that that's what happens when we go in. We have faith in the operation of God. Water baptism saves us. If the Holy Spirit baptism is dependent on water baptism, then Holy Spirit baptism no longer exists. Did God intend for everyone who was saved to receive Holy Spirit baptism? Acts chapter 2, verse 39, For the promise is unto you, Jews, and to your children. Notice it doesn't say, and to your children's children. As many times when we read in the Bible, and especially in the Old Testament, it'll say, uh, you, your children, your children's children, meaning that it's perpetual, right? Uh, generation after generation after generation. But here it says, For the promise is unto you, Jews, and to your children. A generation. And to all that are far off, well, he's talking about Gentiles there, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. See, it only says that, that only a certain few will actually receive Holy Spirit baptism. A generation. So within four years, the Holy Spirit baptism would be no longer given. The day of Pentecost was on 33 A.D. Paul wrote the, uh, the letter to the Ephesians between the time of 60 and 61 AD, putting us within, that's less than 30 years later, that there was only one baptism left. Those that lay claim to being baptized in the Holy Ghost lie. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, notice what Jesus says, many will say, they lay claim to it. To me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Many will lay claim to performing miracles, but yet they too lie. <clears throat> to perform a miracle, it requires the one performing the miracles to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. 
First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. Paul is going to tell us that these gifts were going to be done away with. He said, charity or love never faileth. Well, whether there be prophecies, well, wait, that was a spiritual gift. They shall fail. Whether there be tongues, wait, that was a spiritual gift. They shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, well, that's that supernatural knowledge. That's, again, a spiritual gift. It shall vanish away. Miracles would cease because Holy Spirit baptism would cease. As we have seen time and time again, the apostles laying on their hands, well, even, even if it went past the time of the Ephesians letter, once the apostles were, were dead, there was no going to be any more new apostles and so there would be no more laying of hands so that people would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. For we know in part. Well, that's, that's talking about what we only, they only had knowledge as they would need it. I should have put that verse in here, but they would receive things as they would need it. And we prophesy in part. And so they were only getting uh, little snippets of revelation of God. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And so these spiritual gifts were giving the revelation of God in parts. But he says when that which is perfect is come, the perfect law of liberty, that word perfect there means complete. When we have the whole complete word of God revealed, the Holy Spirit was no longer needed. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 Peter says, knowing this, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in the old time, in the Old Testament, by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the Old Testament was written really by the Holy Ghost through men that were inspired by the Holy Ghost. Well, guess what? Our writers of the New Testament are, were men that were inspired by the Holy Ghost. Are there demon possessions today? Because there's some religions that believe in exorcism. In Zechariah chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, Zechariah writes, In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. For sin and for uncleanness. Well, that was on the day of Pentecost. And it shall come to pass in that day. So at a later time, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered. And also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. And so if there's no prophets because the Holy Ghost isn't giving them the gift of prophecy, we no longer have unclean spirits in our land either. And that was one of the miraculous gifts was was. They said in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out demons or devils in thy name? After Jesus died for our sin, the gospel was preached. He's that fountain that's been opened up. In Luke 24, verse 47, and that, look what he, what he said, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And so that fountain was opened 
on the day of Pentecost. And so once the gift of prophecy ceased, the unclean spirit would no longer be present, pre present in the world. It should be presented present in the world. The only reason why God allowed that to happen was so that the power of God could cast the demons out so people would see a miracle and say, we believe the words that you have proclaimed, they came straight from God. When Nicodemus said, well, surely you are a man of God because no man can do the things which you do except God be with him. John chapter 3. If Holy Spirit baptism and miracles don't exist today, then one of those that teach and preach that they do exist called false teachers. Matthew chapter 7 verse 15. That's why he was giving a warning before we got to this verse. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly they are raving wolves. Jesus was warning them of false teachers right before he said, many will say. Second Timothy chapter four verse four, uh, Paul's giving this warning to Timothy, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned on to fables. Well, who will turn the hearers uh, ears from the truth? Second Timothy chapter four verse three. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teacher having empty ears. False teachers. But notice the hearers will find these false teachers because they rather the lie than the truth. They heap to themselves teachers. It's just as they said in the old time. Don't preach us the truth. Preach us smooth things. Preach us lie and deceit. Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, And then will I profess unto them, the ones that lay claim to this, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. He never knew them. John chapter 10, verse 14, and we had kind of went to the sheepfold and Jesus being the door. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known of mine. And so Jesus says, I know my sheep. But he says, I never knew you because you were never my sheep because you believed the lie and not the truth. These that lay claim the miracles were never written in the book of life. Once they became the age of accountability. Why? John chapter 10, verse 4, 4, And when he put it forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep followed him, for they know his voice, they know his teachings, they know the word of God. These liars will encounter the third baptism. There's a baptism coming, and we don't want it. Many that will lay claim that they had Holy Spirit baptism, they'll say, well, I had the baptism fire too. They don't, they don't read the context. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Again, I'm going back to where John the Baptist, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. 
So there's a baptism of fire. Well, if you go to verse 12, he's going to tell you exactly what that baptism is. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner or the burn, uh, the barn, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. You don't want fire baptism. That's everlasting fire. That's Gehenna hell. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, John writes, But the fearful and unbelievable, unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Point number two this morning. The spiritual wise will be saved. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, again, his sheep hears his voice and doeth them, I will liken unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. In Luke chapter 6, verse 48, in Luke's account, he is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it for it was founded upon a rock. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he says, For other foundation can no man lay that, that is laid which is Jesus Christ. These ones that lay claim to spiritual gifts, the ones that lay claim to Holy Spirit baptism, they are not built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. They're built on the foundation of man. Jesus Christ is the foundation of the house of God, the church. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. The church is built on the rock. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, we have to know what, what rock was, was it being built on. What, what was the church being built on? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what the foundation is. It's on that rock that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. False teachers will preach and teach there are more than one church that is saved. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. We'll go back. When Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, he says there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling. They too lie. Paul says there's only one body or church. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 20 and 21. Just as Jesus said there was only one sheepfold. In John chapter 10 verses 15 and 16. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. <clears throat> and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And so he's talking about the ones that were his disciples at that time, the Jews. But he's also talking about other sheep, the Gentiles. I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold. Not more than one, one fold and one shepherd. Once you're in his one fold church, Jesus is your Savior, not beforehand. Because he did it for the church. He, he died for the church, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, and he's the Savior of the body, Ephesians <coughs> chapter 5, verse 23. He laid down the, his life for the sheep. The only one that 
receives the benefit of the blood is the ones who obey his will and are baptized into his body. Matthew chapter 7 verse 26 And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his, hand, his house upon the sand. See, when you build your thing on, on false teachings, it's unsettling. It doesn't have a strong foundation. Other churches are built on bad foundation, following the teachings of men rather than the teachings of God. In Luke chapter 6, verse 49, in Luke's account, But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did be vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. The ruin of false teachers will be great because many will follow these ways and will find themselves heading down the broad way which leads to destruction. Can the saved become lost again? Because there's many out there that say once saved, always saved. There's nothing that you can do that separates you from God. Matthew chapter 22, verses 11 and 12. And when the king came to see the guests, this is the parable of the wedding feast, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. Was this man known of the king or not known? Friend or foe? Matthew chapter 22, verse 12. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in here hither not having a wedding garment? Unlike those that Jesus said, I never knew you, this man was a friend of God at one time. His name was written in the book of life, but now he had been blotted out, and he was speechless because he had no excuses. He knew the truth, and he chose not to do it. The lost that never knew Jesus will try to earn their way into heaven. But I did this and I did that because they never got it was doing it his way and not theirs. However, God gives hope to the wayward Christian. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 5 when he's writing to the when Jesus is speaking to the, the angel in Sardis he that overcometh the same shall be blotted in white raiment, and I will not blot, blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. The verse preceding that, he said that there was some at Sardis that had not defiled their garments. And he's telling them, this, these, if you will overcome, if you'll repent and come back to me, then you too will be clothed in that wedding garment. You won't be speechless on the day of judgment because you will be found right with God because your name has not been blotted out of the book of life. Because this man knows that there is power in the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them one as having authority and not as the scribes. In Luke, Luke chapter 4, verse 32, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And so 
this morning. If there's any that have not obeyed the gospel of Christ, we invite you to do so this morning. It starts by hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And then you must believe and confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth on the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then you must repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then at this time, you're added to the Lord's church, Acts 2.47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. But then God requires us to stay steadfast in His Word if we remember those things that were preached to us before. And so we must live faithful to God until the end, Revelation 2.10, and He will give us a crown of life. Fear none of those things which ye shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful until death, and I will give thee a crown of life. And so if you have not lived faithfully to God, if you have brought reproach upon the church, you can ask for prayers to be said on your behalf and be restored at this time. However, if it's a sin between you and God, you can go at Him at any time of the hour and ask for forgiveness because you are in that cleansing blood, that blood that continuously cleanses us from all, all sin. And so you are allowed to go at any time as long as you have that repentant heart for that sin. God is just to, just to forgive you of any future sins. If we can help you in either way, if you'll come to the front, Mr. Deputy, sing a song of encouragement.